0: please turn in your copies of god's word to first timothy chapter 2. first timothy chapter 2 and we move now from the introduction of this letter to the foundational principles to what could be called the meat of this letter The Apostle Paul begins here in our text to lay out his instruction to Timothy and how the church ought to function. What we see here is not so much teaching in a doctrinal sense, but instruction in a practical sense. This is the part of the letter which truly is a divinely inspired manual for the church. And so give your attention now to the reading of God's holy word from 1st Timothy chapter 2 beginning at verse 1. I exhort thee that first of all supplications, prayers, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher, an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. Let us now go to Him in prayer. O Lord, we come unto Thee and we are thankful for this word which Thou hast given us, this word which is true, this word which is life. O Lord, we ask that Thou wouldst open up our hearts and our ears so that we may receive it with gladness and with joy. So that we would be able to meditate upon it and to delight in it. That this word of truth which Thou hast given us this day would go with us as we depart from here. O Lord, feed us with Thy Word this day. Nourish us. Strengthen us. Cause us to increase in knowledge and wisdom. And Lord, as we approach this preaching of this Word, we ask that Thy blessing would be upon the minister this day. For he is a man who is weak a man who is unworthy of this high calling. So Lord, speak through the man this day. So that it is not the man who speaks, but it is King Jesus who speaks. O Lord, we ask that the preaching would not be in the enticing words of man's wisdom but would be in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Lord, feed us this day. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we begin to look at this inspired manual for the church, we begin to see what the apostles the apostle paul saw as being of great importance if you've ever read a book on ecclesiology on uh, on how the church is ordered uh, on on what the church is to do i doubt it would begin the way that paul begins this manual In fact, if you were to write your own instruction manual for the church, it would likely look different as well. Perhaps you would start with the leadership of the church. Or perhaps evangelism. Or maybe even the need for discipleship. And any of these things would be a good place to start. But that's not where the apostle begins. Those are all good things. Things which the church should be concerned with. But that is not what Paul has as his first instruction to this church in Ephesus. Instead, he begins this part of the letter by instructing them in prayer. I know this is a subject that we have Looked at several times just over the short time that I've been here, but it's one that deserves continued emphasis. Prayer seems to be the spiritual discipline that is most difficult for believers to be consistent and persistent in, and yet, it's one of the most vital parts of the life of a believer the church is to be a praying institution in matthew twenty-three thirteen, christ jesus quotes the prophet isaiah in saying my house shall be called the house of prayer and you believers being part of this visible church are to be a praying people Prayer must be an integral part of your lives. Matthew Henry says, the design of the Christian religion is to promote prayer. And the disciples of Christ must be a praying people. This is why Paul puts it at the very beginning of his manual for the church. Because without prayer being the foundation upon which everything in the church is built. The rest is meaningless. And it will fall apart. So we'll take up this exhortation to prayer and we will do so by considering three aspects. First, whom we are to pray for. Next, what we are to pray for. And finally, how we are to pray. So first, let us consider whom we are to pray for. Paul makes this crystal clear in the text. Look again at the first two verses. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. He first says that we are to pray for all men. And this is important because too many in the church today only pray for themselves and for those who are in their own circles. Friends, prayer should not be just for you or your own family or your own friends or even for your own church. You ought to be praying for all men. Prayer is not an elitist, nationalistic, racist, or selective practice. Instead, Paul says that there is no category of person that you should not pray for. Yes, you should be praying for yourselves and your family and your friends and your church. But you should also be praying for your neighbors and for your co-workers and for Christians around the world. When you see someone online asking for prayer, you should take a minute out of your day and actually pray for them. And just as a side note here, if you tell someone that you're going to be praying for them, actually do it. You all know that it's against the law of God to bear false witness. How much more heinous is it to lie about something as serious as lifting someone up in prayer? We all have needs we all have hurts we all have struggles there's always something or someone to be prayed for if you need help in knowing who to pray for then just turn on the news and you'll see numerous people in need of prayer just this last week i i saw uh, the pastor in phoenix that i prayed for earlier uh He was shot in the back of the head while he was out street preaching. You should be praying for him. Lift up the Schmidt family and Pastor Hans in your prayers. There's always someone to be praying for. So you should be praying for all men. But Paul doesn't end there. He gets even more specific telling us that we are to pray for magistrates as well. Imagine how hard this would have been for the saints in Ephesus to hear. They were facing the threat of persecution and exile and even death all at the hands of the emperor. And here Paul is telling them that they need to be praying for kings and for all who are in authority. This echoes what the Lord says in Jeremiah 29, 7, when the Jews were in captivity in Babylon. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. Even in the midst of hostilities in a land that has a wicked magistrate, you are still to pray for them. This is one of your duties according to the fifth commandment. To pray for those who are in authority over you. And Paul gives the reasons why you are to pray for the magistrates. That we may lead a a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. The magistrate is the one who bears the sword. And you ought to pray that he would bear the sword rightly. So as to ensure a quiet and peaceable life. They are to uphold justice and preserve life. to to be a rewarder of those who do good and a terror to those who do evil, as Romans 13 tells us. And these quiet and peaceable lives are to be in godliness and honesty. You must be praying that the magistrate would promote this godliness and honesty. Not only here in this land, but in other lands as well. Magistrates are to give themselves to promote religion, the true religion, and to maintain the worship of God. They're to take care of the sacred ordinances that they be observed with due reverence. They are to uphold godliness and honesty. What a difference it would make if Christians everywhere with one voice were lifting up the rulers of this earth in prayer asking that the Lord would cause them to rule according to His Word. Friends, I know this task is a difficult one. We let our lives get so busy that we neglect this important duty but you must be sure to take time for prayer in your daily lives. Take the prayer list that is in your bulletin every week and use it as a guide in aiding you in praying for all men. At the start of the new year, you'll have a a prayer guide and directory that gives you specific ways uh, in which you can be fulfilling this duty each day. Do you want to have influence on the lost people around you and the lost people around the world? Do you want to have influence over presidents and kings and queens and dictators and rulers? Do you want to be a part of seeing people die and go to heaven instead of hell? Then pray. Pray for those whom you encounter every day. Pray for your neighbors and that the Lord would provide more opportunities for you to engage with them. Pray for the enemies of Christ that they would be destroyed either by the power of the Gospel or by the righteous judgment of Jehovah. Pray for the saints in lands that are hostile to to the faith that they would persevere and not grow weary. Pray for your magistrates, even those whom you don't like. Because they've been appointed by the Lord to rule over you. Pray that the Lord would raise up godly magistrates who would rule according to His precepts. Pray that the wicked and unjust laws would be overturned in favor of righteous laws which uphold truth and justice. Friends, pray. And if you think you don't know how, then follow the pattern of the Lord's Prayer which Christ Jesus gave for your instruction. Take part in the weekly prayer meeting so that you... Hear others praying and can learn from them. Do not use the excuse that you don't know how to pray as a reason for not obeying this command of the Lord. Friends, you are called to be a people of prayer. This church is called to be a house of prayer. And that begins with praying for all men. So, we are called to pray for all men. But what is it that we are to pray for? Paul uses four words in his exhortation supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Supplications and prayers are really similar, they're the crying out uh, to God for your needs. When you pray unto the Lord, give us this day our daily bread, you are making your prayers and supplications known before Him. Supplications and prayers are simply making your requests known before the Father. This is what, you, uh, what, what most of you probably think of when you think of prayer. And then added to this are intercessions. Pleading with the Lord on behalf of others. If you know the needs of someone else, then bring those to the Lord. If someone around you is hurting, then pray that the Lord would would send His Spirit to comfort them with the peace which passeth all understanding. when we pray the pastoral prayer during the service each week, that prayer is a prayer of intercession. Because we're praying on behalf of those whom we are praying for. Pray prayers of intercession for the weak, for the sick, and for the ailing among you. Pray prayers of intercession for the persecuted church throughout the world. Pray prayers of intercession for those who are caught in the middle of warfare. Pray prayers of intercession for the kings and magistrates and all others who are in authority over you. And then lastly, give thanks. This is something which you all know the meaning of. See the blessings of the Lord and give thanks Thanks unto Him who is the giver of all good things. Give thanks even for the good things that He does to those whom you consider to be wicked. Calvin says that wonderful goodness which He shows every day when He maketh His Son to rise on the good and the bad, Matthew 5.45, is worthy of being praised And our love for our neighbor ought to also also to extend to those who are unworthy of it. Give thanks. But Paul seems to emphasize something else that we're to pray for, something that is greater than all else. And that is the salvation of all men. He says we are to pray for all men for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time whereunto I am ordained a preacher. And an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. This must be one of the primary things that you pray for. That men would come unto a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wills all men to be saved and to come unto a knowledge of the truth. Not that that means that all men will be saved, but that He takes no pleasure in seeing men reject Him. We must understand this passage in the same way that we understand Ezekiel 33.11 Say unto them as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? His will is not that the wicked should die, but that they should turn away from their sins and turn unto him. This must be your prayer for all men. You are to mourn over the fact that there are people around you each and every day who are hopelessly lost and headed to hell. Does it not break your heart to see your friends and family members, co-workers and neighbors walking carefree along the path that leads to destruction? And if it doesn't, then you have much to repent over. Even Christ Jesus mourned over the lost state of Jerusalem. Will you not do the same? There are so many around us that have not come to a knowledge of the truth. Think of the various different religions that that are present even here in the community. And around the church we have papist neighbors and Hindu neighbors and Jewish neighbors and Mormon neighbors and they don't know the salvation that is found in Christ alone they don't know that there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Our words to them must be the same as the Lord's in Isaiah 45, 20 to 22. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together who hath declared this from ancient time, who hath told it from that time. Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. Friends, you must pray for their salvation. But you must also proclaim unto them salvation in Christ. This is the purpose and the mission of the church. Paul says this is why he was ordained as a preacher and an apostle. One of the last things that Christ said before ascending into heaven is found in Mark sixteen fifteen, And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If we lose sight of this, if we fail to uphold this command of the Lord, then we have lost the right to even exist as a church. Yes, you must pray for the salvation of all men, but you must also put those prayers into action. This is why we go door to door. This is why we go out into the parks. This is why we go to the street corners and we make ourselves out to be fools in the sight of the world. Because we long to see souls come unto Christ. Friends, you must be praying night and day, week after week, for all kinds of people in the world to come to a saving knowledge of God so that they might bow down and worship Him. Perhaps you're here today and you've not experienced this salvation for yourself Perhaps you're here and you do not know this one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And if that is you, then the call to you today is simple. Hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ and submit to it. Christ Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world and lived a a perfect life, perfectly obeying the commands of the Lord which you could not keep. He then willingly laid down His life, dying the death that you should have died, drinking the full cup of God's wrath for the sins of His people. And those sins were laid upon Him as He was nailed to the cross, bearing the curse of of sin, And there His blood was shed for the ransom of many. His body was then laid in a borrowed tomb. And there it lay for three days until the power of the Holy Spirit raised Him up from the dead. And He ascends, ascended into heaven. And there He sits at the right hand of the Father until He comes to judge the living and the dead. And when you die, you will stand before Him and you will give an account for every thought, word, and deed that you have ever had. And without His forgiveness, without His salvation, you will stand condemned before the Lord and you will be cast into the fiery darkness of hell. But hear the good news of the gospel from Romans 10:9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. Friends, do not let this day pass without you receiving the salvation which is found in Christ alone. Do not wait until tomorrow because tomorrow may never come. Today is the day of salvation. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Finally, let us now consider how we are to pray. Look at verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. The first thing to note is that he says we are to pray everywhere. Sadly, there are some believers who the only time that they pray is at church. And even then, many of them just sit there while someone else does the praying. Friends, you are called to pray everywhere. Not just at church, but everywhere. Christ Jesus told this to the woman at the well in John 4. Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers Shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such who to worship Him. God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Friends, Jehovah is not confined to the inside of these walls. His ear is not only is not open only during the time that you are here call out to Him in prayer in all places and at all times. No matter where you are, what you're going through, you can go to the Lord in prayer. Henry comments, we must pray in our closets, pray in our families, pray at our meals, pray when we are on journeys, and pray in the solemn assemblies, whether more public or private. Friends, a good practice to get into is starting and ending your day in prayer. In the morning, before your head even leaves the pillow, you can pray that the Lord would bless your day and that He would cause your actions throughout the day to bring Him glory. And at night, before you go to bed, thank the Lord for the day that He has given you and ask Him to keep you as you sleep. And then also sprinkle in short prayers throughout the day. Your prayers don't have to be 10 minutes long, though they very well can be. The Lord has given you the privilege to approach Him in prayer whenever and wherever. Take advantage of that privilege and pray everywhere. Next, we see that we're to pray with lifting up holy hands. No, this doesn't mean that you have to stand there with your hands lifted up each time you go to the Lord in prayer. No, what it does mean is that you approach the Lord having been purified. Not bringing a sinful, unrepentant heart, but approaching Him in holiness and sincerity. We read in Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in His holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. The Lord is not like the false God of the Mohammedans who requires a ritualistic prayer seven times a day. He knows when you're approaching Him in that ceremonial, uh, ritualistic, hypocritical way, and He abhors it. If you're to ascend into the hill of the Lord, you must do so. Do so sincerely and with a pure heart. It makes no sense to hold on to sin in your life while approaching a holy God in prayer. Instead, humbly confess your sins and be cleansed by the mercy of God through Christ and then pray with purity before Him. And lastly, Paul says that we're to pray without wrath or doubting. If you're praying for other people, do not do so out of an angry spirit. How absurd is it to be lifting up someone to the Lord in your prayers while at the same time you're harboring a root of bitterness towards them in your heart? Heed the words of Christ in Matthew 5 and verses 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath have aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy ways. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. If you're going before the Lord to pray for someone and you remember that you have a problem with them or they have a problem with you then you ought to go and be reconciled to them first because you're you're commanded to pray without wrath. You're also commanded to pray without doubting. Friends, I know that sometimes it can seem that prayer is a waste of time. Think of how many times we prayed that the Lord would bless the fruit of our labors in evangelism. And yet it seems as though we go out there and we simply preach to the rushing wind. Think of how many times we prayed for healing in someone's life, and yet their disease has only gotten worse think of how many times <coughs> how many times we've prayed that the lord would raise up a godly magistrate and yet we have some of the most wicked people ruling over us we can very easily begin to doubt but the apostle here says that we are to pray without doubting and that's because it is the lord that you are praying to, and the Lord always hears your prayers and answers, ac- answers them according to His will, it may not be the way that you would have liked for Him to answer your prayers. And sometimes God God's answer to your prayer is no, or not now. And you must be okay with that. But those times should not cause you to doubt when going to the Lord in prayer. Instead, you ought to approach Him with confidence, trusting that the Lord of glory will do what is right. Brothers and sisters, God is good. We are to pray for those who are around us. We are to lift up their physical needs, their spiritual needs. We're to thank God for the, for the people that He has made and for the ways that He's working in them and using them, even when it doesn't make sense to us or they seem to be our enemies. Because ultimately, there is only one God. He is the God of all people. And He is the God that all people will give an account to. And so you should pray for the salvation of all men. One Baptist minister said, we can pray with confidence for all people to come to a saving knowledge of Christ, and we can preach to them with boldness, all the while knowing that our mission will prevail and our mediator will be praised. So let us be known as a people of prayer. Let this church be known as a house of prayer. And let us as believers go before our Lord, lifting up prayers for all men. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do pray. We pray that this word of life would so penetrate into us, into our hearts, that we would be driven to action. That we would not neglect this sacred duty of prayer, but that we would do so trusting that Thou art the Sovereign over all, and that Thy will would be done. O Lord, let let that be our prayer. That Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray with King Jesus as He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not as I will, but as Thou wilt, O Lord. Father, we ask that Thou would thou would cause us to be a praying people. That it would take preeminence in our lives. That it would be a priority here as a church. That we would be willing to forsake all other things to devote ourselves to prayer oh lord let this be true of us and let us meditate upon this word as we close out our time together this day we ask these things in christ's name amen